Nah, not me. But the people they say the men are leading the women astray. But I say that the women of today smarter than the man in every way. I didn't sing that first. That was, bruh, really? I'm gonna forget. Really? Really? I have the name Jim Belushi popping up in my mind, and that is not her heck. Woman is smarter. The guy who did the banana boat song. No! That one. He also does um, Jump in the Line. Harry Belafonte. Holy fucking shit. He's one of my favorite artists from childhood. Harry Belafonte is one of my favorite childhood artists, and I forgot his fucking name. Put some respect on his name. <sighs> but that being said, since Harry Belafonte was prominent somewhere between like the 60s and 50s or something, when I was a little girl, I always dreamed of becoming old. <laughs> I, I don't mean like I wanted to grow up and become a Looney Tunes grandma. No, I I mean, I guess if I if I was a young person, if I as a young person aspired to anything as an older person, like a grandma age person, I would have wanted to be somewhere in the midway between like a Phyllis Diller and a Mae West. <laughs> For those who are not aware, um, Mae West was an actress prominent in the like 1940s, maybe 1930s, you know, black and white. She was an older woman, like in her 40s when she started acting. She was very funny. She was a comedian. She had this really quick wit. Um, very, very sexual. <laughs> and, um, dirty, a dirty girl. <laughs> she was a dirty-minded little girl. She had a sexy imagination. She was funny as hell, though. And Phyllis Diller is a voice of my childhood. One of the reasons I aspired to become a voice actress was because of her. She was also a quick-witted comedian. Um, and just really cute, and I really loved that iconic laugh that she had, that ha-ha-ha-ha, <laughs> that, like, honking horn laugh that she had. It was so cute and so distinctive. Uh, I aspire to be as adorable as Phyllis Diller and as quick-witted as Mae West and as sensual and as confident, because that's the dream. Um, <laughs> but what I meant by my earlier com a comment about wishing... I would be old was um, I really hoped that if I became an adult I would just know there's some weird symbiosis of fucking knowledge gained through just age and not necessarily through gleaned through information that I would know how to take care of myself <laughs> as well as my grandmother took care of me when I was a kid and as well as she seemed to take care of herself as a full-grown adult because the thing <laughs> but maybe a little bit better because <laughs> the thing with my grandmother and I love my grandmother to death that woman raised me as far as I'm concerned she's my mom and I love her to death and if you come for her I will find you and I will kill you but <laughs> the thing about my grandmother is that she first of all she became a grandmother in her early 30s uh, <laughs> it me. I'm the reason she became a grandma. I was born. <laughs> um, my grandmother, bless her, she became a grandmother in her early 30s. Um, 
and then basically a parent to a small child all over again. But my grandmother was one in a long line of historically uh, straight-haired women, uh, you know, who were born and lived their life with relatively, like, thick and kind of wiry but straight hair. You know, my, my great-grandmother had that hair. My grandmother her house, herself has this thick, you know, kind of straightish, although it looks kind of curly today, uh, straight hair. My mother still has that hair with just a gentle wave to it. And then my derp ass comes along and fucks up all their shit. <laughs> and so here, here, my fucking mutant ass comes along and ruins their lives. Uh, the thing about my hair type when I was first born is it, it was uh, initially just kind of feathery in the front. You know, very light and airy. You know, a hint of potential curliness down the road. Um, not that my mother or my grandmother saw the warning signs of what was imminent, the destruction to come. <laughs> uh, but the rest of my hair in the back fell really straight. My my mom or my grandmother would keep it cut really, really short, like at my, at my neck. It looked really straight and pretty and thick and cute. It looked like I was going to continue the grand tradition of being born with primarily straight hair. And then I turned seven. <laughs> And at some point when I was seven, there was like a Frankenstein situation, but with my hair just... It was like weeds. It was as if the front part of my hair was weeds. And it just started inflicting the curliness to the rest of my hair. And had my mother and my mother, my grandmother being like, Oh my God, what the hell happened to you? Like, I guess I just have curly hair now. Like, how could God have forsaken us to give us a child with curly hair? We don't know how to handle this. God, why? And I'm like, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like, no, this is the worst thing that could happen to us. Because the thing about my grandma was she didn't have, like, black friends as a woman in her 30s. She didn't have, she didn't have, she didn't have friends who had children with curly hair or came from families with a long line of curly haired children who learned how to take care and care for that hair. So my grandmother's primers handed down across the age, all ages, all that wisdom for how to care for children, it only applied to children with straight hair. And no one ever told this woman that you have to do things different <laughs> when a kid has curly hair. And there wasn't anybody that she could talk to, that she could glean the knowledge from. So my my mom and my grandmother reacted kind of disastrously to my hair, just trying to get me back to those days when I had nice, non-problematic straight hair. <laughs> and so I remember seeing, like, they, they got, like, these hair relaxers that were designed for, for little black girls because I had the hair of a little black girl. <laughs> <laughs> and I would be selling those chemicals and it'd be burning my skin and oh my goodness I went through so much abuse uh, <laughs> at the hands of my misguided caregivers trying to curse me with straight hair and uh, they'd be pulling fine toothed combs through my hair trying to treat my curly hair like it was straight hair and completely botching it in the process just destroying everything and I was too young to know any better um, but I was pretty sure that this was just not right. And, uh, but they also didn't have the internet back then in the frickin' 90s and 80s. 
You know, if, if you wanted to learn anything, you had to know somebody. You had to talk to somebody. <laughs> and like I said, my grandmother didn't have black friends. You know, especially not black female friends who most likely would have known how to care for curly hair. You know, and if they didn't know it, maybe their grandmothers knew it. Maybe their moms knew it. Maybe their auntie knew it. Like, <laughs> I didn't really learn to properly care for my hair until a black lady friend of mine who is very on top of her self-maintenance saw the struggle I was going through with my hair and was like, girl, you got black hair. What are you doing? <laughs> Shut up and listen to me. Follow me. We're going to Sally's. We're going <laughs> We're going to the beauty supply store. I'm going to teach you everything I know. And that woman kind of saved my hair life, at least. I owe so much of what I learned about my body, and especially my hair, thanks to my friend, who happened to be a black woman, a young black woman. Um, but, like, until then, until I met her when I was in, like, my early to mid-twenties, I had... <laughs> I had word of mouth. No one was telling me anything. My parents weren't telling me anything. I had, when I was about 13 or 14, the internet, and I barely knew how to use it. When Google How-Tos came out, that was the very first time I started to learn that there was a difference. <clears throat> Holy shit. I just swallowed a volcano. That is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I completely lost my track of mind for a second, oh my lord. When I was like 14 or 15 years old, a feature that Google unfortunately has since scrapped because it was such a fucking lifesaver, I don't know why they did this, it was called Google How-Tos. And reading a Google How-To was the first clue that I got as a teenager, as a pubescent child, that my parents were wrong about how to care properly for my hair. A. B. They clearly didn't know how. C. I really didn't know how without being told. And D. Those instructions weren't out completely yet. Um, but at least I had my first clue that, you know, you don't treat straight hair the way you treat curly hair. And I'm like, oh, then how you do you treat curly hair. I want to learn how to care for curly hair. Like, you're going to want a lot of moisturizers. I'm like, okay, what else? You're going to want to use a wide tooth comb. I'm like, oh, that sounds excellent because that's always what's worked better for me as a child. What else? Like, you're not going to want to comb your hair too much. Just like, you know, after you shower, put it in a braid or plate it somehow and then just kind of, like, yeah, yeah. Don't touch it. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, don't don't touch your hair. It's curly. It, it'll it'll fix itself. I'm like, don't touch it. You might want to uh, cut back on the shampoo, too. I'm like, why? What else? I'm like, yeah, you're going to benefit from a little more conditioner than most. I'm like, what? Yeah, that, that's all. That's all we're going to tell you about your black hair. I'm like, where are the rest of the instructions? I have to know. I want to know. I want to know. Can you show me? No, we can't show you anything more. This is confidential information and you're not allowed to find out. Make a black friend. <laughs> and then I did. How about them apples? Mm. 
but I mean, I really am grateful to to Simone. I'm not even gonna protect the innocent in that. <laughs> I'm forever grateful to my buddy for uh, Simone for showing me the existence of hair products that I theretofore had no idea were a thing, <laughs> and it kind of sounded to me like some shit people would make up. No, I didn't necessarily think that she was lying to me. I, I just kind of felt like I was being punked. I was like, hair lotion? She's like, yeah, it moisturizes your hair if you're going to straighten it. And it kind of acts as like a little bit of a gel. But it's healthier for your hair type. It won't severely dry it out because, you know, it's really dangerous to dry out curly hair. It, yeah, yeah, I, I knew it was dangerous to dry out curly hair. You're telling me there's an alternative to hair gel? She's like, well, yeah. Duh. And I'm like, no, 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 no. No, don't, don't, duh, me. I didn't know hair lotion existed. I didn't know that was a thing. Why didn't anybody freaking tell me? <coughs> Did you know hair, hair lotion is a thing? Look up Ors brand. It's spelled O-R-S. Ors brand of hair lotion. It is very moisturizing for if you have curly hair. Uh, and this isn't a gendered thing, by the way. This is not a gendered thing. If you are a man... A manly man, and you've got curly hair, boy, hair lotion. Get it, use it, love me, love yourself more. Self-care, baby. Self-care, curly hair. Mm. Turn it up. Mm. Turn up that self-love. Ah, why can't I stop burping? Fuck my life. I did eat, like, about an hour ago. That's probably why. Ah. Oh, I just had to be a human being, didn't I? But yeah, step one, hair lotion. <coughs> and if you're going to straighten your hair, might I recommend that before and after you section off each lock and you get some of that product involved, you burn it through and then you apply, apply the hair lotion afterwards. It makes it nice and moisturized. It keeps it like nice and flat <laughs> and kind of controlled it keeps your hair looking really healthy and just feeling so nice um the Ors brand hair lotion that my friend turned me on to was like olive oil based or something it smells really nice to me um you know all hair products are not the same but I can't recommend that more highly that crap saved my life <laughs> I still have some but I haven't used it in a while because I haven't straightened my hair in like several years um it's probably been like seven some odd years since I last did that. Wow. When when, uh, when did we last feel something? I'm really trying to remember here. Fuck. Uh, nowadays, I've primarily used a product called Carol's Daughter. It's like a real thick white goopy product. It's for the hair. If you have curly hair, what it'll do is um, it'll make your hair feel really sticky later, which is not the greatest sensation in the world, but it's very moisturizing. And um, if you plate your hair after like running it through, you know, slightly damp hair, slightly damp curly hair, and you plate it, like you put it in braids and give it like a day to slowly dry out, right? And then you let it loose, you'll have these really nice kind of controlled waves and curls. Um, it actually kind of makes my really crazy hair look almost tidy and like almost socially acceptable. I think it looked nice. 
me think water twinkie nice, okay? I like, it makes me like my hair more, and I think that has to count for something. It makes me feel like I'm coming a little bit closer to the dream. The impossible dream of being old as shit. Because uh, physical age is a great... <laughs> physical age is a great counter for being, like, physically old, right? But what about mentally old? And, you know, what does it mean to even be mentally old? Because there's a lot of perceptions and there's a lot of, like, attitude. There's attitude change, there's perception, there's perspective. But... When I was a kid and I dreamed of being old, my thing was that I thought I would learn how to take care of myself by now. <laughs> I would have thought I would have known not only how to take care of myself, but like children in general by now. And I can barely take care of myself. I just figured out my hair. <laughs> to a point that makes me feel a little more comfortable with myself. Um, also, when I was a kid, I would sometimes see, like in some cartoon shows... Um, and even in my grandmother's bedroom, I know she used this product. That sounds weird. My In my grandmother's bedroom, I know she used this product. <laughs> Visit Pink Cherry today. Like, no! <laughs> my sainted grandmother, absolutely not. Her holy peepers and her holy ears, absolutely not. <laughs> what is wrong with me? <laughs> Let me get to the fucking point. Rewind it back. In my grandmother's bedroom, I once found a product. Get your head out of the gutter, it's nothing dirty. <laughs> Get my head out of the gutter, because it's nothing dirty. It just sounded wrong. And I can acknowledge that in myself. But in my grandmother's bedroom, when I was a child, I found a product in her room. And it was, um, talcum powder. Or like some kind of... It didn't smell like talcum powder. It smelled like almost, um just like a pow a perfumed powder and I really liked that powder uh, I really like <laughs> the aesthetic of powder in general it's not a sex thing I don't know what it is it's a weird fascination I've had since a child I really love the shape of like the weird disc like um enclosures jar thingies I don't know what the hell to call them the containers that held these giant massive white poofy floofs and then you would dip it in that white powder, and then you just smack it against your body, and the smoke would go everywhere, the dust. And I really loved the aesthetic of, like, just causing dust to rise up when you smack something. You know, it's the same thing of, like, that weird pleasure. I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but that weird pleasure of, like, this kind of rewarding sense of when you see someone running on dirt and, like, this dust kicks up, you're like, yeah, that's some roadrunner shit right there. Hell yeah, kick up that dust. It was the same thing I felt inside when I would, like, smack a, a dusty floof against my skin and watch the dust rise. And I'd be like, <laughs> just, I don't know. I don't know what to call that feeling, that sensation, that weird, like, reward level of pleasure that it made me feel. It wasn't a sex thing. It was just kind of an aesthetic thing. I loved the way it looked to see the dust rise. Um, I loved the smell of of the poofy dust floof, the powder. I loved the feeling of, like, smacking the little floof against my face, even though it really pissed off my grandmother that, you know, my five-year-old wily ass would be just doing this to her self-care products. I had no idea what the purpose was of that powder until I was, like, almost a man, all right? It took me being in my 30s to realize what the purpose of that powder was. 
do you know what you're supposed to do with that fucking powder? Because my grandma didn't tell me. I had to figure this shit out on my own. <laughs> no one told me this. <laughs> I found out. <laughs> and I found out for the world's dumbest reason. And I feel so stupid for this. But I found out because I was like, you know, I remember always wanting to get one of those big old poofy powdery floofs as a little kid. I wonder what they're even for, you know, I wonder how I can just get one into my life. I'm gonna go buy one off the internet. <laughs> but I couldn't find them because I didn't even really know what the hell they were called. I called them powder floofs. I still don't necessarily understand what those things were. <laughs> I don't! But, then I fucked around and I found out they're sold in the self-care aisles uh, and makeup aisles of like, say, Walmart or really any kind of general grocery store. And <laughs> these things, you're meant to buy them. What you're supposed to do with them is after you shower, as you're drying off, if you're kind of a bigger person, what you're supposed to do with these, these things, that it is, it is a kind of talcum powder. It is talcum powder, first of all. I was misunderstood. I had a misunderstanding as a child, but it is talcum powder after all. And you're supposed to pat these poofs like in between your fat folds. <laughs> If you're like me and you're fat, or you're supposed to put it up against any area of your body um, where sweat might accumulate, like small of your back, you know, underneath the fat folds, in between the thighs, underneath the, um, in the armpits, middle of the chest, under the boobs, the moobs, whatever you got, <laughs> flaunt them. <laughs> no, 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 don't flaunt them to me. Flaunt them with your wife or your husband or... Whoever you have in your life that appreciates looking at them. Flaunt them to yourself. Check you out in the mirror looking so sexy. Look at them moves. <laughs> so hot. <laughs> but yeah, so you're supposed to do that. And the purpose of the powder is it keeps you feeling so fresh and so clean, clean. All throughout your day. If you get a little bit sweaty, mixes in with the powder, keeps you moisture whipped keeps you dry, makes you smell fancy. That's what it's for. <laughs> it's a, a matter of personal self-care. And now here's the thing. When I was in high school, I had a moment where I freaked out a very environmentally front, uh, conscious friend of mine. A very, I freaked out a very environmentally front, uh, fuck. I freaked out a very environmentally friendly Yes, they're very environmentally friendly. They're also very environmentally conscious, is what I was trying to say. Stupid mouth refusing to cooperate with me. I'll kill you. I meant my mouth. My mouth would never cooperate with me. I would shoot it and I would have no mouth. And then this podcast would end. Wah, wah, wah. Stupid. Math. I had this very environmentally conscious friend and I freaked him the fuck out one day because I'm insane and I was far more insane when I was in high school which is where we all met and on a first day of school I don't remember my junior or senior year when I did this but it was one of my first days at school I bring baby powder to school because you know <laughs> I still had that childhood love of really enjoying seeing dust poofs 
happen. And so I decided that on the first day of school, I was going to make dust hoofs of my own happen with baby powder. Just wherever, as as one does those silly teenagers, yeah, that I mean. <laughs> and I did this in front of my environmentally conscious friend, and he yelled at me. He's like, Paul, what the hell are you doing? I was like, what? I was confused. I didn't know. He's like, that's so bad for the environment. I was like, it is? Yes, look up the effects of talcum powder and talcum powder mining. So I did, because Google existed in the mid-2000s, and I was like, oh shit, he's right. So I've known, since I was like 17, 18 years old, the talcum powder itself is really bad for your health and bad for your body. It can cause cancer. Um, it's really toxic to the earth. So you really shouldn't put it anywhere on your body. That being said, <laughs> about a year ago, uh, <laughs> in my quest for uh, finally attaining being old, I was in the uh, self-care aisle at Walmart I found the ever-so-tempting uh, containers of the floofs with the powder of my childhood dreams and my childhood aspirations, and I was like, I could afford this, and I could get cancer. Or I could resist my temptations and die of something other than cancer. Choices. <laughs> and that's when I was staring in that aisle, I realized something, that there is a new product befitting of the new millennium. It's called cream to powder. And this stuff supposedly has zero talcum in it and nothing that causes cancer is in it. It's, it is what it claims it is. It comes out of the bottle, uh, out of the squeezy tubes of cream. So it looks like a lotion. Um, I only know of two flavors so far. There's like their uh, minimal scent one and then there's a lavender scent. I bought one of each and I take one with me to the gym and I keep one at home. Um, so what you can do is, you know, like I told you, you can put it in between all your fat folds. I have fat folds. I'm going to just call them my Terry folds from now on because Rick and Morty reference and I just think it sounds funnier to just, you know, <laughs> motion up my Terry folds, <laughs> my foldy flaps, <laughs> lotion my foldy folds, my foldy flaps, getting in my Terry folds. So I put the powder, you know, well, it's a cream to powder. You put it on, it's lotion-y, and as it dries, it becomes a powder, and then it kind of goes invi invisible, but as you sweat, that cream that turned into a powder on your skin gets moist, but it scents your, your sweat, and so it's kind of like a deodorant for your whole body. And so I just apply it to, you know, all the sweaty Betty spots, bottom of the feet, in between the foldy flaps, the terry folds, um, in between the bits that chafe together, you know, the thighs, them thundery thighs. Gotta love them thunder thighs. <laughs> um, anywhere I can really reach. And I feel so fresh and so clean, clean. I didn't really occur to me to talk about that earlier, um, because I forgot. <laughs> But it occurred to me today, as I was entertaining myself on my patrol at work, that um, maybe somebody else in this universe is just as clueless as I am about how to properly take care of themselves as an adult. And I'm not saying I'm the expert at all. Oh no, far, be, far from it. Far be it from me to, to make that claim or to attest to that claim. But this information helped me. 
And I hope this information helps somebody else. Because, <laughs> man, we're born almost alone on this planet. We are beholden to the experiences that we have at the hands of other people or our environment. And self-care means different things for different people. When it comes to taking care of the self, taking care of your body, or taking care of your mind, um, taking care of your heart, these are all really different things. Not everyone's an expert on how to do it, and even the people who learn best practices for themselves personally, like my grandmother did, God bless her, uh, they don't know everything. Because <laughs> my grandma sure as hell didn't know how to care for curly hair. I mean, God bless her, she tried, but she just didn't know. <laughs> She didn't intend to, to long-term fuck up my hair. And I'm always going to love her. Um, I always will. But she just didn't know. And a lot of people don't really know because, you know, what if you're the odd straight-haired kid born into a family where it was generations of curly-haired kids? You know, your great-great-grandma had straight hair. I meant to say a generation of straight-haired kids. No, I did mean to say a generation of curly-haired kids and you were like the straight-haired odd one out. You know, great-grandma had curly hair, grandma had curly hair, mom had curly hair. Your busted ass came out with straight hair. Now they gotta talk, now your mom, your Gen X mom has to talk to your co-workers at work going, So Karen, I got this kid and uh, he kind of looks like you. Karen's like, what the hell is that supposed to mean? Don't. Calm down, Karen. I'm just saying, I would really like to know uh, what kind of hair products you use for your hair. I was thinking I could use some of those on my kid. Maybe probably don't tell an actual Karen that. <laughs> Maybe don't actually do that. These are hard conversations, man. These are such simple conversations and they're so hard to have because we're so afraid of acknowledging each other's differences to the point that it almost becomes hard to identify with each other even when we have things in common. Do you think I'm the only light-skinned girl in the world who has curly hair? I have a very fair-skinned, like, Irish or something friend. She has extremely curly hair. I've given her hair tips before and she's like, oh my god, this helped so much. I'm like, glad to help a sister out. <laughs> when I meet children who have this hair type, I try to inform them and they're always so grateful. They're like, oh, no one told me about this. I'm like, they probably just didn't know. And they have all the same resentments I, I did as a kid. Like, why didn't my parents tell me? I'm like, they didn't know. Adulthood is such a weird thing. And being old, becoming old, is really not the way that I had imagined it as a kid. You know, it's not the glamour of Phyllis Diller and Mae West. It's not automatically just inheriting the knowledge via symbiosis or, like, soaking it into your skin through your age. Uh, that's not how you glean the wisdom to, to learn how to take care of yourself. You know, how to self-care, how to be kind to yourself, how to take care of your body. Like, no one prioritized the concept of exercise to me as a child. It took me until I was in my very late 20s, very early 30s, to learn how to eat properly. I had no idea that there was a whole freaking medical standard for this, that you're supposed to have, like, about a third of your plate meat or something, or like a quarter of your plate meat, a quarter of it uh, carbohydrates, like rice and shit, and then like half a plate full of um, a vegetable, 
I had no idea that you were allowed to snack, but that you just had to have, like, a really small amount of the snack. And that you could have them, like, every three hours until your meal times. I didn't know any of that. Someone had to fucking tell me. You know where I learned about that shit with the meals and how to how to plan your own proper meals and have a healthy sized meal? I learned that from a doctor. I didn't learn that from my doctor. I learned that from a doctor who didn't understand how I, a person in my late 20s, didn't know what a healthy meal is supposed to look like. Because I was never fed a healthy meal all my life. I was fed traditional Mexican meals growing up. And don't get me wrong, I ate well, okay? I ate good. I was not starved. I was not deprived as a child when it came to food, okay? They all make no mistakes. So I don't want anybody to get it twisted. Like, we should have called her CPS on her 30 years ago. No, no, this is not what that's about, okay? <laughs> Somebody call CPS. No, that's not it at all. What I'm saying is... Between the concept of culture... You know, whichever family you grow up, you could be growing up some flavor of white and still have grown up never being taught best practices for uh, what a healthy meal is supposed to fucking look like. <laughs> you know, maybe all your freaking front parents fed you was canned corn and PB&Js from Smucker's brand or something growing up. Those are not very healthy meals. <laughs> but the, you were well fed, weren't you? <laughs> You ate well, didn't you? You ate good, didn't you? Nobody starved. Oh, man. Yeah, my grandmother did not starve me. <laughs> yeah, I'm making my grandma seem like she's a bad mother. She is not a bad mother. But then that's, that's like a whole other conversation, right? Of like, what defines a bad parent even when they're just trying to do their fucking best? Um, oh my god, I might start crying partly out of like solace for my grandmother and the shit she had to deal with as well as for my mom but um oh god this is gonna be a long conversation well it's a good thing we have editing tools isn't it <laughs> cut that shit out uh, there was this video game there is a video game you can download it to your phone I think you have to pay for it you might not it might be free to play on your phone uh, I know you can pay for it on Steam which is on the internet for those who don't know this game is called My Child Liebensborn. Liebensborn, I'm gonna fuck up the spelling if I even try. Oh well, I'll go for it anyway. I think, I think, don't quote me on this, but I think Liebensborn is spelled L-E-B-E-N-S-B-O-R-N, Liebensborn. And um, I think it means like loveborn, but don't, don't look up My Child Loveborn because you're not gonna find jack shit. Uh, My Child Liebensborn is a video game about a very real moment in world history, um, specifically in Europe. Uh, a thing that happened, uh, it was one of the horrors of World War II in particular, uh, that still has created shockwaves that can be felt to, to this day. So when the Nazis occupied uh, Europe, at some point, they instituted a program called the Liebensborn Program. Now, the Liebensborn Program basically um, encouraged and endorsed um, committing rape in wartime um, by Nazi soldiers upon uh, 
Aryan women or women who were blonde haired and blue eyed. And the purpose of this, of these relationships or this rape was to produce quote unquote Aryan children. The Aryan children that were produced from these rapes or from these um, relationships would then be taken by the German government <clears throat> and raised in these specialized hospitals full of nurses that would take care of these kids. And the idea of the Lebensborn program was to try to create a quote-unquote superior race of children by giving them, you know, ideally the best of everything. <sighs> White supremacy for ya. Now, the Lebensborn program got shut down just a few short years after it started. Like, it only existed for about three or five years. Um, so when that happened and these hospitals were shut down and all these nurses lost their jobs... You know, because the war was over, that still left behind all these orphaned children or all these kids whose mothers, you know, either voluntarily gave birth to them, but it was a sign of shame to be a mother of a Lebensborn child, or who were raped and therefore would want nothing to do with being confronted with the evidence of what happened to them, you know, their trauma. So these kids were uh, often placed into orphanages if they ever were fostered out and someone found out about their identity they would be ridiculed at the worst I mean at the least worst at best they would be bullied and at the very worst uh, many many of them went on to face sexual violence as children from teachers from peers from administrative professionals you know just these kids experienced a lot of hatred for shit that was just not their fucking fault. And these were all um, kids that would have been born between like 1940-something and 1950-something. So they're kind of like a mix of um, boomers and a little bit of the silent generation, which is the same generation as the Beatles. I mean, famously... One of um, one of the members of the international pop group ABBA, 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 you know, Dancing Queen, Young and Sweet, Only Seventeen, that ABBA, Mamma Mia ABBA, one of their members um, is herself a Lebensborn child. And she's talked about the trauma that, you know, her childhood it caused her because of, you know, that pain and that knowledge of knowing and how she was treated because of something she had no control over, which were just the circumstances behind her birth. Um, it was not a good thing to be a Lebensborn child in those days. Well, this video game is about not just the Lebensborn program. It, it puts you, the player, from uh, in the position of, in the perspective of a, a foster parent who has agreed deliberately to foster a Lebensborn child. And you get your choice of a little boy or a little girl, and you get to become their mom or their dad. And uh, because I really like traumatizing myself, I have it in my Steam wish list. When I'm less poor, I will totally buy myself that game and I will cry relentlessly. But before that, I, I tend to enjoy watching playthroughs of games I intend to at least one day purchase and play for myself. Um, and so I made the wonderful, beautiful mistake of looking up playthroughs of people who played this game, and I ended up noticing something I thought was fascinating. I thought this was really interesting, and I think that there's something to it. 
you know, on a grander scale of a discussion about the importance of strong central male as well as female figures in children's lives. Because this game isn't just about Liebensborn children and, you know, the hassles it took to take care of them or whatever. You know, it wasn't just about their trauma, although it does involve that, that does become important. It's It really also forces you, the player, regardless of your gender or your perception of your gender, it really forces you to make choices that any parent would have to make. Because you only have so many hours in the day, which is true of real life, and you have choices. And who you, what you as an individual choose, what choices you make as an individual, they will affect this child. And they will affect you as well. Um, I cried several times watching some of these playthroughs. Um... Because, so the ga the way the game mechanic works is you have so many hours in a day <clears throat> and everything takes up some of your time. You can't make money unless you go agree to go to work in a factory for eight hours. You get the option of working overtime. And then when you come back, your kid, if they came home from school that day, is going to go to sleep. They might ask you to read them a bedtime story and you might be too tired to read it to them. You know? You can choose to send your kid off to school with breakfast that morning. You can choose to um, comb their hair and at least make them look presentable. You might choose to give them a bath that morning. But you can really only choose one of like one or two things first thing in the morning. And you've got to prioritize. Is my kid going to shower today? Or am I going to send them to school looking kind of like the dusty kid from Peanuts Gang? Is my kid going to be the dusty kid from the Peanuts Gang? I don't remember what his name is. Pit Stop or something. Is my kid going to be pit stopped today, or am I going to make them go to school looking like they have a mother? Like, will these pe will people that are at the school know that my parent has a, ch has a mother? You know, are they going to go to school smelling fresh and clean, but with fucked up hair? You know, I might do that today. <laughs> that might happen. Or am I going to send my kid to school starving? You know, you have these choices. Um, you can choose to feed your kid, or comb their hair, or take a bath. And it's just, it's whatever you choose. You're not forced to go one way or another, but you really can only do like maybe one of, one or two things at a time. And you have to choose, you know, which, what's it going to be today? Because I think that in our heart of hearts, all of us, if we were going to become parents, we would want to be, you know, the best possible parents we can be. You know, we would want our children to have rich inner lives and to feel emotionally secured and to be protected and to never have to face any kind of evil in this world. And we would also not want them to go to school looking busted. We <laughs> you know, we want them to look like this kid's parents care about them. You know, we want them to be able to make friends, not to turn people off with a a really strong and prominent bad smell you know we want we don't want our kids to stink but did you have time to take to make that kid take a shower this morning like it's a short life and it's a sh it's a small world and we all only have a very limited amount of time plus we're all human beings we get tired too we run out of energy and that game forces you to confront this too um so you know, that on its own probably sounds like it's a really fucking boring game. But here's what really interested me about it, and um, what I thought was just fascinating, was how clear 
the divide was for the gender line between um, a quote-unquote woman's style of parenting a child versus a father's, a, a woman, a man's style of parenting a child. Because, don't get me wrong, first of all, you, you bear in mind that all of these people are gamers. They're playing a video game, so thus they're gamers. Um, and thus all of them would have some sense of, you know, what it takes to play a game. But to see the heart come through and the good intentions come through, uh, no one was a bad parent because of their gender, okay? It's not like, you know, because the men were men, they were completely terrible parents. And it's not as if, you know, because the women were women, they were really good parents. Oh no, I saw some terrible uh, mother players, you know, lady players who were playing as mothers. Uh, and I saw some really good ones too. But it was so interesting to see the way that the priorities had such a clear cut split down the middle between you know whether you thought as a mother versus where whether you thought as a father and what defines the thinking behind both because first of all just because you're a woman just because you're a man doesn't mean you lack the ability to care for a child and it doesn't mean that your caring about them is wrong or that the way that you cared about them was wrong your intentions were good and they were also a priority for you let me explain. So when I saw that the women were being parents to their Liebensborn child, they always made sure that they went to work. They made sure their kids always went to school with a full belly. They always ate first thing in the morning. Their kids always, you know, got, got a shower at some point. Their kids always got their hair combed. They always had clean clothes. They never sent their kids to school looking busted. They also never really talked with their children about their feelings or validated their feelings. And it, <laughs> and it wasn't because these women didn't want their children to grow up to feel emotionally secure or to feel loved or anything. It was that there are only so many hours in the day. Like, at least you showered and you ate today, kid. Fuck your feelings in particular. That wasn't what it was. I was like, fuck your feelings. I'm going to sleep, kid. <laughs> Go internalize that shit like the rest of your generation. That wasn't it at all. <laughs> but there's only so many hours in the day. You know, if there was an additional 10 hours to the day, you know, these women could have worked more. They could have earned more money to take care of their children. And also, by the way, how was your day at school today? You know, by the way, would you like me to read you a story? But there's only so many hours in the day. A human being only has so much energy in the day. Now let's look at the fathers. The guys who would play this game and were playing as fathers of their Liebensborn child, these kids always got their stories read to them at night. These kids always got asked about their day at school. These children always got their hugs. They always got life lessons. They always had their feelings validated. These children knew that they were loved. They also got sent to school every day looking like pit stop. <laughs> <laughs> their fathers did them hella dirty <laughs> and it wasn't necessarily because like <laughs> and it wasn't necessarily because these guys were thinking to themselves like yeah kid your feelings are really important but uh I'm not gonna tell you that the reason that you're you can't make friends at school is because you smell like a dump truck <laughs> that wasn't it at all it was literally there's only so many hours in the day 
men prioritized um, the emotional aspect of their children's health and their psychological health. They tried to maintain their children's like spiritual and mental well-being as well as like their emotional well-being. And they really tried to take care of these kids and to, to give them a sense of like comfort, but also a sense of like an emotional fortitude, a sense of support, like an emotional support. Men were so sweet with these kids. But because there were only so many hours in the day, they went, you know, it's okay if you look like trash. <laughs> People shouldn't care about the way you look. You know, it's about what's on the inside that counts, right? And it does. It does. But a woman is not going to send her kid to school looking busted as fuck if she's any kind of mother worth her salt either. <laughs> and it really... It was so funny to me to see that, that how disparate and how spe in such specific ways, how disparate the, the parenting styles of a hypothetical mother are versus a hypothetical father. And I was like, you know, kids really need both, but there's only so many hours in the day. You know, a woman can only either take care of their kid physically or take care of them emotionally and mentally. A father can only take care of their kid emotionally or take care of them physically. You have to kind of prioritize one over the two. So which one do you choose? Ideally, if you could have both, that would be a perfect life. But life isn't perfect. <laughs> Therefore, having seen this, it really convinced me, you know, even if kids don't have their biological fathers in their life, even if it's just a strong father figure, Kids really need both their their parental figures in their life, man. They really need that strong male figure who cares about their feelings. They need that strong mother figure who cares about how they look and how their how their physical health is doing, you know? Because your mother's going to make you go to the doctor and your father will listen to you as you cry about getting stuck with a needle. <laughs> You take one of those two away and you're going to grow up, you know, if you grow up with a really great dad, you know, at least you knew you had a, a friend, someone who was always on your side when you were growing up. And you also probably never saw the doctor in your life, even when you really badly needed it. You know, if you broke your leg and your dad's like, you can walk it off. The, the hospital's really expensive, kiddo. I ain't got the money for that right now. Sorry. <laughs> Whereas your mother, you know, if you grew up with a mom and you broke your leg, you know, your mom was going to pay that hospital bill and then you'd never hear the end of it. <laughs> I wish I had a dad. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. 